Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by Unicorns on Unicycles. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I'm Devin, joined as always by... Steve. Joe. And somebody else, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and Joe. words out all the and time. Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. He I does. do. Uh, today we're going to talk about a mystery. Oh, really? A pretty big mystery. Actually, kind of one that's touted as one of the biggest unsolved mysteries. This is one of those ones that you'll hear referred to on the lists on the internet of like locked room mysteries mm-hmm. kind of style, where it's the, it's the perfect, perfect mystery. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's always ranked up in there. It is. Oh, and-, and I have to say, it's it's a puzzler, for sure. But for as big a mystery it is, there's not It's not that, that big much of a mystery. It's well, not that big. Yeah. Well, you know, but still, people have been chewing over it for a long time. A lot of Absolutely. famous people, like Raymond yeah. Chandler, for example, says it's his favorite mystery of all time. Or said it was. He's dead. But uh, He might still say. Yeah, he's We haven't tackled that mystery yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's in heaven. He knows the answer now. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a seance and find out. Yeah. Okay, so, you guys ready? Yeah. Indeed. In? Okay. In the evening of Monday, January 20th of 1931, sometime between 6.45 and 8.45 p.m., Julia Wallace was beaten to death, brutally. Her husband, William Herbert Wallace, seemed a really likely suspect and was arrested, tried, and convicted. So what's the mystery? Well, uh, it turns out the evidence was really, really lacking in the case against Mr. Wallace. Uh, pretty hugely, uh, so I would say. So shoddy, in fact, that the Criminal Court of Appeals officially pardoned him and declared he was innocent and totally said, nope, he's not guilty at all. He's free to go. And nobody knows who did this crime. No. Nobody knows who murdered Julia Wallace. There's a few suspects. But yeah, it's interesting when he was tried... Um, I think his demeanor kind of did him in. He was kind of cold. This is another one of those those Bramber cases. Like Bamber, Jeremy yeah. Bamber, yeah. Yep. And uh, he was uh, apparently not liked by the jury because mm-hmm. the, the judge, when in, when he was instructing the jury, all, all but told them they had to let they him off. Find him off, yeah. And they, they convicted him anyway. Because mm-hmm. the evidence was just so weak. Yeah, and we'll talk more about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. The evidence course. was actually kind of non-existent, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so. So let's tell the story. Let's Yay. solve the mystery. Well, let's tell the story first. Okay. Okay. And I, I want to just introduce you to the two main characters, I guess. Uh, the first character would be one Mrs. Wallace. Her maiden name was Dennis. She was Julia Dennis originally. She married Mr. Wallace in March of 1914. She was significantly older than Mr. Wallace, I think. I think it was 17 years, according to the dates I could find on the wiki. Yeah. There's a lot of contention over that, because for a long time, people said that they were around the same age. Yeah, everybody thought that they were they were definitely contemporaries. And then I think 
somebody was able to find her original birth certificate. I think it was in the last decade or two. Yeah, I think so too. Um, which which said that she was 17 years older than him, so she was 53 when they were married, and he was 36. Uh huh. Which is quite reverse. It's a reversal of roles for the time. Yeah, yeah but it's also still is. that's still a big age gap. Oh yeah, but it used to be the old man would marry mm-hmm. the younger woman. Yeah, especially just, back in those days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Some people kind of point to that as maybe something that had to do with the murder. He found out I how old she silly. was. And I think that's, yeah, yeah, I think it's really silly, <laughs> really but I've seen out. that tossed around. So uh, <laughs> just to go ahead and throw that out. Actually, um, I, I think that her age might have had, if he, what, if he did indeed kill her, her age might have had something to do with it. You want to hear about it now? No. No? Okay. <laughs> I don't. No. Okay. We can talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Julia was originally the daughter of a, quote, ruined alcoholic farmer, unquote. And there's really, like, nothing about her except for that she played the piano quite well. I think she was an accomplished pianist is how they describe her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she doesn't even have her own Wikipedia page despite being the victim of this crime. Uh, loser. <laughs> no, I mean, that's it's interesting. There's, I think there's a lot to be said about a victim. I think that the victim really informs the crime a lot of times. Very true. So I am sad that there's not more information about her out there because I think it just seems like we would be able to know more about the crime maybe or Well, everybody something. focused on her husband. And oh, yeah. So- details of her were just left behind and Mm -hmm. that may be why we won't ever be able to solve it because there may be things about her that we just don't have access to anymore absolutely yeah Yeah. i I was able to to find some quotes from some people some people about her she was described as meek Uh, and kind of uninteresting and yeah meek. yeah there was one person who uh was looking in on on them for about three weeks in 1923 Mm -hmm. her name was florence mary wilson and uh william wallace had a bout of pneumonia Mm-hmm. And so this this person was was basically you know looking after them, mm-hmm. and uh, she said that uh, she said she thought Julia was a poor housekeeper who basically laid around and did nothing, mm-hmm. and she said she had no enthusiasm for anything, mm-hmm. and uh, she said she didn't really think that they were a happy couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there's a, there's a little bit of insight. Of course, you know that's a small window. It doesn't necessarily mean she was always that way. Yeah. But there were other people also who said that they didn't really think it was a happy marriage. Yeah, it's interesting. The People didn't seem to think it was a happy marriage, but the they lived in this kind of townhouse, row house situation that's pretty common in London, Liverpool, I guess. But they so they shared walls with their next door neighbors, and their neighbors said they never heard them raise voices or really talking at all, which may have been a sign, I guess, that they didn't talk that much. But it could be they had their own. Uh, they but did they their didn't. Own thing. Yeah, but well, they yeah. There's there's definitely loudly. There's two different ways to go about hating each other that mm-hmm. we've seen in real it's people with their relationship they either yell at each other or they say nothing yeah mm-hmm. and so it may be that that's why nobody heard anything yeah so they just did their own thing and ignored each other yeah, yeah so let's talk probably. a little bit about uh wallace mr okay. wallace we're just gonna call we're gonna refer to him as wallace through the rest of this thing because apparently he's the only one that really matters and then we'll call julia wallace julia <laughs> okay okay wallace was born in 1878 And he left school at 14 when he started to train to be a draper's assistant. He got a job with the company that outfitted Her Majesty's Armed Forces and the Colonial Indian and Foreign Services in Manchester. He spent five years with the company, company, then transferred to Calcutta, India, then Shanghai two years after that with the same company. His youngest brother lived in Shanghai, so there was a familial connection. He had a bum kidney. 
So he had to return to England in 1907. He didn't want to have it cut out in Shanghai. Yeah, <laughs> for some w- reason. Wanted to have it done in England. Yeah, yeah, he decided to come back to England. So he did actually have the operation. He had it cut out. And then there's about a four-year gap in between there until he became an election agent in uh, 1911, where he met Julia. And then they got married in 1914, as we said. And then they moved to Liverpool in 1915 because he had lost his job. And yeah, it was because it was um, wasn't didn't he lose his job because the the position of elections was just basically totally eliminated. Isn't that the reason? I think it was. Yeah. It was some crown rule that eliminated all yeah. of the work that he was doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was totally eliminated. So he lost his job and he called his dad and was like, "Dad, I need a job." And he his father helped him get a job uh, with the Prudential Assurance Company as a collections agent. And uh, the Prudential is an insurance, life insurance company, by and large. And they, they're based in Liverpool. So, yeah, the couple is described as meek. Wallace had an unusually cu- curious brain for okay. the time, I gather. In that, it, I guess it wasn't typical for a, a person, particularly a man, but a person to take interest in kind of a wide variety of topics. But uh, Wallace did. He supplemented his time and income by lecturing in chemistry. He had an interest in botany. He was a violinist. He was an amateur electrician. He had a lab, electricity so he lab. Ele- he played with electricity yeah, at home? Yeah, at home. Uh, and he loved chess. And he was, in fact, a member of the Liverpool Central Chess Club, not to be confused with the Liverpool Chess Club or the Central Chess Club, because those are two other things. <laughs> oh, okay. And this that's a very serious offense to be taken, apparently, oh, in really? my research I found. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Is this uh, chess club still in existence? And they, Do they still meet at the same place? No, no. The Central Chess hmm. Club is still a thing, I think, but... This particular one, I'm pretty one, sure, was eventually disbanded. Think. Yeah. Hmm. I, it was pretty small when Wallace was going to it. It was... It, you know, they weren't very good chess players, and it was a small chess club. And yeah. then this whole thing happened, and it was kind of a third rank club. Yeah. yeah, really? Okay. Yeah. So, actually, uh, it, the, our story kind of begins at a meeting of this club. So, we want to just transition into that? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I'll swing into it. Cool. So, January 19th, 1931, Wallace was meant to be competing in a chess championship over a number of months. And so this was one match that he was supposed to be competing in. His game was scheduled to start at 7.45 p.m. And at 7.20 p.m., I believe, the chess club received a phone call from a R.M. Qualtroff. Is it Qualtroff or Qualtro? I think it's Qualtroff. He was looking for Wallace, um, and he left a message with the club captain, whose name was Samuel Beattie. The message was that Mr. Wallace was requested to call upon Mr. Qualtroff. (laughs) That's how he's going to say from now on. Qualtroff, Qualtroff. The next evening at about 7.30 p.m. at 25 Menlove Gardens East, regarding an insurance issue, uh, because one of Wallace's jobs was to sell insurance as well as collect insurance dues and things like that. And so it seemed that this gentleman had some insurance business to Mm. carry out. I think that's one thing. It took me a while to figure out, and a lot of people aren't familiar with this now, but in those days, you had to walk around and collect payment mm-hmm. from your customers. Yeah. So, and that's one of the big things he did is he walked around town all day mm-hmm. and paid, picking got, up money. Yeah, got money from people. Probably kept him in good shape. Probably. Yeah. 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 
so Mr. Wallace obviously wasn't there at the time. And the caller did ask Beattie, is, is Mr. Wallace expected to be there tonight? And he said, oh, I, d- I don't know if I can expect him or not, because it turns out he was fairly delinquent in his attendance. Yeah, he only showed up club. a couple of times a month here. I thought it was, they said once a fortnight. So once every two weeks, 14, yeah. 14 days-ish. So he didn't know, Beattie didn't know if Wallace was going to show up or not. He said he if he was going to be there, he'd be there soon and he'd relay the message. Wallace said that he had never heard of uh, Qualtrough, and he also hadn't heard of Menlove, Menlove's Garden, Menlove Gardens East. And he and a member, a few other members of the chess club discussed it. And he just, I think he said, well, I've got a scotch tongue in my brain or, or in my head or something like that. <laughs> um, weirdest phrase. It was a very yeah. odd yeah. phrase, meaning that he would find it. They all Absolutely. figured it was just off Menlove Avenue somewhere, and that'd be that. It must exist. Yeah, and that—that's the way it, it was. Because I did—I did some reading on this because I didn't understand why this guy would just go trooping across town, not knowing where he was going. That would freak me out. But it just turns out you okay. Well, I know this has got to be off of that, so I'm just gonna walk down it until I find it. Yeah, yeah. and they—and you know, one of the guys at the club said, "Well, I know Men Love Gardens North." Or something, you know. So I think they just all thought, well, it's it must be there somewhere. Yeah, there's a north, south, and a west, so yeah. why not an east? Yeah. So despite not knowing really anything about this, it just being kind of a blind call, Wallace decides to keep the appointment. So the next day on the 20th, he arrives home from work around 6 p.m. And then sometime between 6.30 and 6.45, the milk boy stopped to pick up his money, which he got from Julia. He said, I got it from Julia. There's been some speculation that it was Wallace and Drag, but it, I'm, <laughs> I know. I'm sure it wasn't. It was definitely Julia. And then I don't know how the milk boy would have known what time, time it was. He said he saw saw the time on a church clock. Um, and there was either right before or right after. And, and there was one. Yeah, there's a, there's a church a few blocks away that's yeah. got three clocks on its on it. Um, uh-huh. So he so. would have known. Yeah. So um, we can presume his time is about correct. Yeah, I don't know if anybody checked, if the police checked the church to see if the clocks were correct. Yeah, I don't that know. That would have been something to check on. Turns but... out they were running on daylight savings. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be too bad. The Liverpool police in this case, well, that, what they, they, the locals called them the Jiggery Pokey Brigade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're not very good. <laughs> or Jiggery yeah. Pokery yeah. Brigade. Yeah, yeah. they, yeah. they yeah. didn't have the best reputation. Yeah. Um, I think the Milk Boy saw Wallace there too. I'm not sure. But I got on Google Maps. I pulled a Joe. Got on Google Maps and mapped directions from Wallace's, the Wallace's rented flat uh, to 25 Men Love Gardens West, because that's an actual address. And on today's no. transit, it would take no less than 37 minutes. And according to the train schedules at the time, which I actually looked up, he would have had to been on the tram at 6.49 p.m. for the whole timeline to make sense. And it's verified that he's coming off of that tram at exactly the right time. So we can assume, I think, pretty reasonably, that he was definitely on the tram at 6.49 p.m. that night. Yeah. and how... Based on the conversations that directly followed that. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and how far was the, the, the tram stop from his house? Not very far, but... Okay. It's mean, a bit of a walk. But... Maybe five minutes. Yeah. Not anything... Uh, now, okay, hang on. So I remember something about in their awesome investigation, the yeah. police having a young, fit officer play the part of Wallace. And I remember there was discussions of him running. And so I, I was under the impression that meant that he was running from the house 
to the tram stop, which made me think the tram stop was farther oh, away. Oh, the two-mile running thing? Yeah, two miles. Yeah, that okay. right. And that he ran to get there at 7.06 to make this transfer? I don't remember okay, the time. Okay, so the two-miles thing is that the, he made a transfer to a different tram and had an interaction with the conductor of that tram. Right. And that transfer spot was two miles away. Oh, so I okay. presume that they were trying to see if anybody fit could run that two miles in the allotted time that, that they would have needed. And bypass the first train. And bypass that first train. Even though yeah. Wallace was 51, bad kidney. Yeah. I think he had a bad heart. He, he had a, meningitis he had recently. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think he, had, he was a heavy smoker too, wasn't he? I some, uh, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. So Actually, the, it's, uh, it's absurd to assume that he could <laughs> okay. have kept that pace. But, well, and that nobody would that. have noticed this guy running, you know, breakneck pace. Right, or that. or that the conversation he would have had with the conductor, the conductor wouldn't have said, oh, and he was super breathless. And you know? by the way, Sweating, yeah, <laughs> sweating a lot. But yeah. okay. actually, the police actually didn't just do one detective running. They they sent out uh, a whole like a half a dozen teams mm-hmm. at, at various times mm-hmm. to try different just theories to see. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, which is only probably the most thorough job they did on any part of the I know. I know. <laughs> but no, I think that's what you're talking about. The two it's miles that you're thinking of. I think that tram stop. And I'm sorry to anybody who's going to call us out on that. I don't actually know, but it, I think it was a five-minute walk or something okay, like so that. Okay, so it wasn't too far away. It wasn't that far, yeah. Because the two miles that you are talking about is the transfer he made. Was two um, miles away from his home. Was two miles away from his home. Okay. From one tram to the other. Tr- t- like, they're streetcars, right? You guys know what trams are. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And that was at 7.06 p.m., which, you know, was right on schedule with him being on the tram right before at the 6.49 mark. And he had a conversation with the conductor, and he uh, he asked him directions to Men Love Gardens East, and was told to, to transfer trams again at Penny Lane. And he spent most of that ten minute ride pestering the driver to not forget to call out Penny Lane. And a lot of people think that's suspicious. I think it's it's possible. I think it's just like a nerve. I would. I've done stuff like that before, not like the entire time because I've then gotten really awkward and thought like, oh, I'm annoying this person. (laughs) But if I don't know where I'm going, I get really anxious. And especially if I were trying to make a meeting and I really didn't know where I was going and was maybe running a little late by my own sense. I, I definitely can see the like, okay, but don't forget to call. Like, don't forget to do it. Don't, I, have we missed it? I really don't know where uh, I am right now. Because it's not What's like everything on? was lit up and, and easy to see. Yeah, yeah, it's January. It's, you know, it's 1931. We're December and it's dark at, you know, four o'clock right now. So it's, it's dark out. And also, you know, you can't pull your map or phone out of your back pocket. You have no idea yeah. what's going on. Wasn't as easy back in those days. Yeah. So I just, I don't but, think it's as suspicious as most people think, but some people do think it's really suspicious. Yeah. A lot of people feel that he tried to call people's attention to himself, to himself. Re- repeatedly. There, yeah. There's a lot of that in this story, though. Yeah. But there's a lot of, I got to admit, I'll just tell you right now, there's several things that I'm just going to point out with one word, which is claim. Yeah. They claim, claim. they make a lot of claims mm-hmm. about certain things that he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this true. is one of them. Yeah. So the conductor, of course... Did not forget to he call. He wanted him Penny to get Lane. off the stupid. Yeah, trail. he was like, "Oh my god, get off now!" He's like, "This is your stop. Get off." Uh, and Wallace made the connection, no problem. He got on the next tram, and he asked the conductor promptly, "Hey, where do I get off for um, Men Love Gardens East?" The conductor said, "You get off at Men Love Avenue and walk." 
and probably was told to just saw it off and look for it yeah, would be probably. my guess. Quit um, bothering me? Yeah, just get off here. And it was only like a 600-foot ride or something like that. Yeah, it was stupid short. It was short. stupid short, but I think all the conductors were just like, I don't, you do this. I don't know. You just do this thing. But he did. He got off at the avenue and started to search for Menlove Gardens East. There was a Menlove Gardens North, South, and West, but not East. What Apparently, he was really determined, so he asked a number of passers-by, you know, where is this street? None of them had ever heard of Menlove Gardens East. He went to 25 Menlove Gardens West to see if they knew anything about it. They said, no, we've never heard of anybody, and we didn't make a call. Go away. <laughs> Wallace did what you're meant to do and found a local beat cop next. And, okay, people, there's the claim and I think the cop said this, so I'm, I'm willing to say that this happened. But instead of just saying, oh, I'm looking for this address, he apparently regaled the cop with the entire story of the call and then the train ride and then the difficulty he's been asking people all the time. And, oh, do you know where this address is? Finally, you know, at the end of that. And the cop said, no, that place doesn't exist. I, I, I got the feeling through some of the things that he's said and done before uh, everything happened and then as it was going on, he was just kind of an awkward guy. He was just one of those ones was, who I think he was super shy to the chase. and anxious yeah. and and didn't really know how to interact with people. That was my sense of him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so he was not satisfied with the copper saying, no, that's not a thing. But he did ask the cop what time it was. And he asked it in kind of a strange way, apparently. And he said, it's not eight o'clock yet, is it? And the cop said, no. So he checked the time and he said, no, it's 745. And Wallace looked at his watch and he said, oh, yeah, it's 745. And again, people think that's suspicious, which I don't think so. But OK, well, fine, whatever. He was still not satisfied. So he walked over to a local newsstand and they had directories in the newsstand, apparently. So he looked through the directory. Still, the address didn't exist. So finally, he's had enough at this point. He would have been really late or, as some people claim, he'd made enough stink to have a good alibi. Well, and he also made a stink with the, the person at the... Uh, at the, the newsstand. News at the newsstand. Yeah, again, well, you know... I, it wasn't a stink, though, right? It was no. basically but just was, saying, do he, you know where he, this address is? He made he enough had a of distinct, an impression. a yeah. distinct interaction. And again, yeah. you know, he asked her, he, said, he looked up and he said, do you know what I'm looking for? And she said, no. <laughs> and he told her the address and she said, no, that doesn't exist. And he said, okay, fine, I'm just gonna, I'm going to go home then, fine. And he got home, I guess it seems like he searched for about 45 minutes all all told you know he got off the tram at 7 15 till 8 left probably about 8 yeah. got home i guess around you know i think that that trip takes about 45 minutes i think my my math is good it's a half an hour maybe about a half an hour but then again he's got to wait for a tram a train it's not Who as if the, the stupid it's... thing just is there when you're there right i mean maybe it is but rarely rarely, rarely. Yeah. yeah but he basically long story short he got home about 8 45 right 8 30 or 8 45 8 30 is probably the earliest he could have gotten home reasonably uh-huh. 8 45 is probably when he got home but again the next time he's seen is 8 45 he's standing outside of his back door and his neighbors the johnstons are just leaving they encounter him in the back alleyway, 
and he looks, uh, God, what's the quote? Worried and confused. Worried and confused. Thank you. He looks worried and confused and they say, okay, Mr. Wallace, what's up? And he says, well, my, my keys aren't working. My key in the front or the back door, they're not working. And they said, well, we, you know, we have a spare key to your house. Do you want us to try our key? And he said, oh, I don't, I've never heard what he said. So I just assume he just kind of mumbled. And then he tried his back door key again and miraculously it opened. This time it worked, yeah. Uh, and they waited around because they were good neighbors. They thought, okay, he seems confused and worried and weird and we'll just wait till he gives us the all clear. So they kind of waited around and he went upstairs and he lit the gas in the parlor and then he came back down and just very calmly said, uh, come and see, she's been killed. Strange. Strange. I think he was in shock. I like. I think he was in shock because I would be in shock if I walked into this. Oh, this scene, absolutely. But for sure, can we stop for a second and talk yeah. about the the door? Yeah. So he tried. If I understood correctly, and I just want to make sure I understand this, he tried the front door and his key wouldn't work or the door wouldn't unlock, and then he went to the back door and he couldn't get it to unlock with his key. And then he tried it again in front of the Johnstones, and that's when it opened. Yes. Correct? The, the back door opened. The back, right? the back door. Yeah, okay, so they were, they were the, apparently the dead, or the, the latch had been, had been shut on the inside. Is that what it was? Because I was thinking, well, maybe there was somebody, like, was, there, was the front door unlocked when they went to look at it later? Because it makes me wonder, hey, you can't maybe see in, and so he's trying his key, and somebody's holding the lock? No, but you know what I didn't actually, I just thought of is maybe uh, the front door was unlocked when he arrived, and he accidentally locked it. Uh, mm. It uh, seems unlikely, but I guess... It seems it's... like a drunk move, not yeah. a I-just-got-home-and-peeved kind of move. Yeah. But it's interesting because, it, you know, if he, was, if he actually was telling the truth, and say the, the, the bolt had been shot from the inside on both the front and the rear, then he comes home the if if he is totally telling the truth and he wasn't just confused and not using his key correctly, that mean that must mean the murderer was inside. Exactly because, where I was going. Yeah, so he's 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 busy rattling the front door, and then the murderer like boogies out the back door, and of course he can't shoot the bolt this time around. Right. He pulls the door shut behind him and and sneaks off down the alley. Oh, that he and, would have tried the back door first, mm-hmm. and that didn't work, so he tried the front door. And that didn't work, so he came back around. Uh-huh. At which and point they... they encountered him kind of walking back to try the back door again. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can go... The John yeah. Stones? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And that he said, my key's not working, and they said, okay, and he tried it again, and the bolt wasn't locked? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Huh. So the door was locked, but the bolt was not, had not been shot from the inside. Hmm, interesting. That's, so... Yeah, because that's the only way this, this whole I can't get my key to work thing mm-hmm. makes sense to me, is yeah, if somebody else was inside you know, manually operating a lock that he couldn't have access to. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's not a bad point. Although yeah. that would mean the murderer had a key to the house. Not necessarily, because you don't use a key to lock your door from the inside. No, but the... the oh, I guess it's he could have um, left the door unlocked and the, Mr. Wallace just out of habit tried to unlock it and it worked. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. what you're saying? Ah, right, okay, so that's fair. That's good. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about that. Yeah, so who knows? There's yeah. not a scrap of evidence to support that, but... Oh, I know. Well, that's, right. the, that's the refrain of this entire case, though. Is not there's a not a scrap of evidence, of evidence to support that, but <laughs> we're going to say it anyway. So what did Mr. Wallace find? And I guess the Johnstons, when they... Johnstons? Johnstones? I think it's the Johnstones, but... Johnstones, Johnstons. Either way, they saw something they could never unsee. Yeah. It was a a really gruesome scene in the parlor. Julia had... um, Her head had been bashed in 11 times. 
her brain was exposed and the blood splatter uh, in some places was seven feet up on the walls. Uh-huh. Which is pretty high. What happens when you beat somebody to death yes, with a poker? Yes, definitely would. Yeah. And the Johnstons, as I mentioned, the walls were thin in between. And I think the, the parlor wall, they shared a wall. And they had been home all night and they said they hadn't heard anything. Which is kind of weird. Well, like one would assume that you would at least scream a little the first time that you got not hit. Not if that first one catches you unawares and yeah. rattles your little brain. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's and entirely then possible. Is followed by several swift hits, you're out. You're yeah. Done. yeah. Although there is one other explanation for them not hearing anything, and that is that they did it. Mm. <laughs> and it's I, possible. There's actually no. I, yeah. I found a, I found somebody out there that claims that, that, that the Johnson. Well, we'll talk did about it. that in yeah. theories because it's it's actually not the worst theory out there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, as we were talking about, uh, we kind of, I guess, shot our load a little early. The big whole mystery on this thing is that all of the windows and doors were locked, ostensibly, when, when Mr. Wallace arrived. So, it was, it's you know, it's one of those locker room mysteries where you're just like, how how did the murderer get out? Well, yep. I, they weren't they weren't deadbolted, though, were they? I don't I don't know. I See, think that's they the were, thing is that it, it never says how they were locked. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. you can always pull the door shut behind you. Yeah, although yeah. it's 1931, so I don't know. I don't know what kind of keys they had. Yeah, I don't think they were. I think they were mostly deadbolt locks at that point. Well, I know. Okay, my experience in Britain with locks has never been good because I get <laughs> locked out all the time when I'm over there uh-huh. because they don't believe in door handles. It's all keys oh, yeah, and, and they auto lock behind you. Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm wondering if, like Joe said, you, they just auto-locked automatically. Yeah. That was the standard way to do it. Yeah, but I guess... In the, I don't know. I guess the frustrating thing in that case then, right, is that, like, <laughs> then why is that such a big mystery? Like, if it's so <laughs> ubiquitous in this area that doors would just lock behind you, why is everybody saying, and the doors were locked? Like, okay, cool, then the murderer left out the door. Why are there so many claims about the things this guy could do? Yeah. Like that's that's right up there that's with true. it. That's true. Yeah. That's Although, true. if it was a, the old-fashioned kind, like the church key kind, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it was one of those, a lot of in those days, a lot of the times people would leave their key on the in the lock on the inside. Mm-hmm. To and and that's a way that's a way to block somebody from the outside picking your lock, mm-hmm. and so you, the, your key is blocking it, and that was very common in those days. So. There might have just been a key in one of the, the front of the rear doors. Just yeah, there, true. he just takes the key out, steps yeah. outside, pulls it shut, and, and takes the key and yeah. locks the door. And calmly that's walks true. away. And walks yeah. away all covered with gore. Yeah, well, yeah, super covered in blood. Because that's the <laughs> yeah. thing, is that like so. this person would have been just coated. drenched in blood, coated in blood. There wasn't really anything missing. Mr. Wallace said that there were a couple pounds maybe missing and then they the only other thing that was missing were two fireplace instruments a poker and a metal bar i don't know what the metal bar i could never determine what the bar was but it finally showed up it that one it it finally long time after yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. the poker never did show up so yeah Yeah, the poker didn't show up just walked and actually the bar showed up um with no blood on it yeah um, like 80 years later Yeah, it was like in the back of the fireplace. Yeah, it fallen through a, cr- a hole in the bottom or something. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the whole, the Macintosh, the raincoat. Oh, yeah, and then there was a partially burned Macintosh or a raincoat underneath her body. It was supposedly his. It was It was his. It, there was no supposedly oh, about it. Oh, it was his? It definitely was his, but 
that doesn't mean that he was, you know, involved, really. Oh, yeah. no, Because it would have been by the door. So. Okay, see, that's funny because I had heard contention that it might not have been his. Mm. Like, it may have been somebody else's and they took his on the way out. Say. Oh, I guess that's fair. I it I, that, matched his. I thought it was his. But I that, thought it was his too, but I the, the I'm reading a lot between the, the lines. The investigation into this is so poor that I don't. I, I guess I can't say definitively that it was his. It looked like his. That's all I can say. <laughs> Got yeah. it. Yeah. They didn't. They also well, didn't do you know any it. evidence or anything like that. Because it had been partially burned. It had been partially burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and can I ask? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I know I do this to you all the time, but I have a question. Uh huh. Crime scene photo. Yeah. I swear I've seen it, but I also thought it was a recreation. Yeah, Neither so I've know. seen a lot of pictures that look like they might be crime scene photos. I think they're all reenact reenactments. Recreations? Recreations. That's, that's because I, I don't too. because there's not enough blood in any of them. Thank uh, you. Okay. Well, I saw a couple of photos and I think they were the real thing. They were Maybe. taken they were taken either by police or by reporters on the night of. Huh. Yeah, I I I saw those too, and I just didn't think that there was enough blood. Yeah, in them. I, so I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. They're kind of murky pictures. They're really, really murky. Yeah, yeah. I saw these in a book. Uh, God, who was what was it? John Gannon wrote a book called "The Killing of Julia Wallace." He did. We're going to talk about. Have you seen him. that? Yeah, have you seen yeah. the book? He's got a lot of pictures in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. I can't. I guess I can't authenticate what the pictures, if they were real or not. Just again, because I I. It doesn't seem like it looks like the crime scene was described to have been, but it's also possible that the description of the crime scene is inaccurate. Well, I was going to say, is that's the thing, is that I saw something that talked about when Julia was struck and she fell, I saw something, I swear, that said that the reason that the Macintosh had caught on fire was that she had fallen forward into the fireplace. No, that that he had fallen forward into the fire. The person wearing the Macintosh had fallen forward into the fireplace and it had partially caught fire. Oh, so they're saying... This doesn't make any freaking sense. Wait, yeah, that really what? doesn't. And that it that it was that they put the fire out and then pushed it under her body. Oh, oh so killer wearing said Macintosh mm-hmm. catches on fire, mm-hmm. stops, drops, and rolls, mm-hmm. and then rolls her up in it, or rolls Shoves it, it under. rolls it underneath her. Well, why would her. yeah? Why would somebody do that though? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's it makes, tidy. I yeah. think it makes more sense that it. That she died on it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's entirely... You know, one theory about the Macintosh is that it, it was indeed Wallace's Macintosh. Mm-hmm. He hadn't taken it with him. Mm-hmm. And he had it probably hanging on a hook by the front door. Mm-hmm. And somebody somebody called on her for whatever reason, rang the bell, and mm-hmm. she put that on against the cold or whatever. Or mm-hmm. maybe she... I was, have seen right, that, too. Right, that was yeah. another theory. Yeah, and that she was actually wearing it. And mm-hmm. not necessarily with her arms in the sleeves, just draped right. over her shoulders. Maybe... Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe she was in her pajamas and she was feeling modest, or mm-hmm. some for some reason, or you know, whatever reason. Probably the cold. Mm-hmm. And so, I, th- I think that's probably what it was. I and agree, but the fireplace, fireplace was on. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you could say you know, somebody came over for uh, for whatever reason to murder her, obviously. But it was it would have been somebody she knew. Yeah, and let's then, let's save this. You want to save that? Yeah, I yeah. want to save All this. Right, let's talk, yeah. talk about that a little later then. So, um, despite having a pretty solid alibi, created or not, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and a really severe lack of forensic evidence, the cops arrested Wallace, as we said, and charged Several him days with later. murder. It was a couple days later. Yeah. yeah. As we as we talked about a little bit too, th- this case it's. It's another case of the jury just kind of not liking the guy. Yeah, the public, they hated him. Yeah, they oh, did. Yeah. Um, 
he was definitely condemned in public for the rest of his life. Really. Oh yeah, he got constantly got hate mail, yeah, and death he did. threats and stuff. Yeah. Um, it he took the witness stand against or in his defense, I guess, not against himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he did kind of work against himself. Yeah, and he he appeared detached and cold. Um, and the jury did convict him. The trial lasted four days, and the jury deliberated for less than an hour. Uh, and he was sentenced to hang for the crime. But then in March of 1931, the Court of Appeals did overturn the ruling. They just said there, there just wasn't enough evidence to have convicted Wallace. And um, so he was innocent. He obviously found it hard to return to normal life in Liverpool. So he moved to the country. And then he died in 1933, just two years later, of a kidney issue. Well, no, he uh-huh. didn't. He didn't move to the country right away because I know he yeah. took he took a no, non-public facing job mm-hmm. with the the insurance company yeah. for no, a while. No, he tried to return. He moved. I think I think he lived in Liverpool for six months or something. Okay, like yeah, that. that and then that he moved right. to the country. Okay, yeah, he probably. Um, but he was also he was pretty sick too. Yeah, he was getting progressively worse. Yeah, yeah, worse he was. Worse. Neither one of those two was really in great health. No. Okay, so he was 51 at the time of the murder. Yeah. 17-year age difference means his wife would have been 68. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just thinking about, yeah, I mean, they both would have been a rather... That's a older... Rather slow pair, yeah. and I can see it, 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 her age at that time of being 68 in the 30s mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. to me, kind of the equivalent of being 90 today. Yeah. Kind of is, yeah. I mean, just was... because of the way that you live and the, the, the harsh lifestyle, so mm-hmm. I can see why she may have been considered kind of lackluster and just old and mm-hmm. tired and yeah. just couldn't take it anymore. Well, yeah. like, yeah, I think that um, he didn't really have much in the way of motive, except maybe he was just sick of her. <laughs> But the other thing about it was I was going to mention her age as as a motivation for him. Like you said, that was that that would have been back in those days the equivalent of eighty five or ninety years old, and he's starting to look at this and thinking, you know, I don't want to spend I don't want to spend uh, the rest of my life changing her diapers. You know, I'm I'm going to put her out to pasture. That's kind of the way he looked at it. Hmm. That would be a motivation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe he was just sick of her. Yeah, that's also possible. But there's still... some quote actually. Uh, gosh, uh, the quote I think was, is that you need no more motivation than being married. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which I think is probably fair. I say to a newlywed Steve. Yes, yeah. I, I, I did add matricide to my, my list of words. Yeah. That good. I'm now going to start using around the house. Yeah. So yeah. that it's not actually a threat. Oh yeah, she'll appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we can um we can jump into theories, but I just want to mention two or three things first. Uh one big, really big thing is that the police unit that came to investigate the murder was really, 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 really subpar. Yeah, to say the least. Well, at the uh, the Liverpool police, I'm sure they're highly professional today. But back well, they in those had days... actually. It was I think it was in 1919. There was a huge strike, and they lost more than half of their police force. It was a huge amount. Yeah, and so you know, I guess within 10 years, essentially, they had tried to replace everybody, and it was just it was not going very well. I believe the term I saw for the staff was underqualified. Yeah, but okay, so the the really fine whatever they were unqualified the biggest blow to this case that happened <laughs> was their forensic expert i guess they yeah, called yeah, him yeah, the use air expert. quotes around the word yeah. expert um his name was john mcfall and he operated under the pretense that his instinct was enough um he didn't take notes he didn't run tests he 
observed Julia's body and decided based just on the rigor of her body that she had to have been killed at 6 p.m. give or take an hour. He actually had originally said she died somewhere around 8 o'clock or so Mm -hmm. and then wound back the clock on that Mm -hmm. to match up when they charged Wallace. Yeah, Yeah, so there's a a little bit of... That's that's hinky hinky step number one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only test that was, and that that so was he, the only test that was done on her at the yeah, time. Yeah, he didn't it was take. Just, he didn't. Forget. He didn't do body temperature. No temperature they didn't nothing, take any yeah. blood samples. They didn't take any. They didn't collect any forensic evidence. They didn't try and fingerprint or anything like that. Um, they did, I guess, somehow, and I don't know how, but I guess they were able to determine that nobody had cleaned themselves up at the house. There wasn't evidence that somebody took a shower to clean the drains were dry the drains were dry yeah yeah yeah. so okay that was that was good at least they did that so we know that whoever killed her would have been really really bloody and would have had to probably left the house pretty bloody and that that fact alone completely to me blow blew their theory of what he did out Out of of the water water. sure did because you're saying hey we've proved that nobody took a shower or used water in this house in hours and hours and hours but this guy he was buck naked and he killed his wife or my favorite is he was buck naked just in the macintosh yeah the police actually questioned him quite extensively about uh the practice around his house of they totally made this up, but they decided that he and Julia, Julia, they, he played the violin and Julia played the piano. They had these music nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, well, yeah, you like to do that naked wearing just your Macintosh, don't you? <laughs> and he said, uh, no, what? And they said, yeah, yeah, that's how you play the violin when she's playing the piano. You're just wearing your raincoat. And he said, no, what are you talking about? And they said, no, no, you, you like hanging out like that. So we're just going to go ahead and enter that as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. You would like hanging out with that. So obviously you killed her like that. So that's the kind of detective work that was happening around this case. I know. I um, that. So I think that, that does. It blows a pretty big hole, especially because the timeline just doesn't match up, right? You know, we know based on the timeline that she was seen alive at about 645. He left. He had to at have, the earliest. At the earliest. He had to have left the house at the latest, I would say at 649, but probably at 645-ish, he would have had to left the house to be on the tram to get there in time. There's no way that he ran it. He, yeah. No way he ran those two miles. Yeah. And when he got, no way. And when he got home, he, he was he didn't have any blood on him at he all. Didn't, yeah. Well, he was clean as a whistle. None of his clothes had blood on it. He didn't have blood on it. He, you know, there was, there was no blood anywhere. And then the earliest he could have come back really is eight. So there could have been a 45-minute gap there, but I think he probably was there more like 8.30 based on when people were seeing him around that. It couldn't have got back that early because he, he had the interaction with the policeman at 7.45, oh, you're right. right? So the earliest he could have been back really is like 8.30. Eight, yeah. So there's 15 minutes there. So really you got 15 minutes on either end to commit a brutal murder for, you know, probably provoked reasons, then totally clean up. That's that's insane to me. That's crazy to me. Yeah, the only and way... clean up outside of the house. Somewhere. Yeah, because he couldn't do it. Yeah, because he couldn't have done it in the house. Yeah, and right? so the That's only what the way they were... is for. Yeah, but the only way they were able to get a conviction here it was by impeaching the testimony of the milk boy, whose name was Alan yeah. Close. Yeah. I don't know that he was not. I, I thought he was credible. Of course, I never saw or met the guy or heard him actually speak. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's yeah. no reason to not believe. So anyway, that's a big thing. 
right? The the medical examiner Very important was to keep bad. In mind. Yeah. And the drains were all dry. Yeah. So you guys want to talk about theories? Because there are only two. Is there? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's a few other theories. There's out two there. big ones. There's two main theories. And yeah. then there's okay. like some sub theories. Well, we'll because we're, really, we're explore them. well, really, either uh, Mr. Wallace killed his wife or he didn't. Pretty and much. the quote you hear around this is either Mr. Wallace killed his wife or he didn't. And if he didn't, then we have the perfect crime. I disagree, but hey. <laughs> well, yeah, if he did, it was the perfect crime. If he didn't do it, it wasn't really the perfect crime. Right. That's how, you know, lots of people get, lots of people get killed and bludgeoned to death and nobody yeah. ever gets caught. So. Yeah. so let's talk about he totally did it first. All right. Uh, as repeated over and over again, as we just talked about. There's no more motive needed to kill your spouse than being married to them. Yeah. It sounds like their marriage wasn't particularly happy. <laughs> it didn't sound like it was horrendously unhappy, though. It just sounded kind of... Blase. Yeah. Blah. And he, But he wasn't like an adventure seeker, seeker. You know, it's not like he was saying, oh, I wish that my wife would go and take more risks with me and things like that. He seemed totally satisfied to just do his thing. He sat at home, he played with chemistry, mm-hmm. he played with electricity, and he she played just kind of with things. Let like he was him do sat it. and do, doing stuff. Yeah, so yeah, well, yeah, like yeah, he was a big adventure. He had his hobbies and yeah, people back in those days I don't think were quite as romantic about marriage. No, I don't think so day. either. Yeah. yeah. So I don't while I while I'm happy to say their marriage wasn't happy and passionate, I also don't think it was unhappy. I think it was I would I would describe it as an ambivalent marriage. Mm-hmm. Which usually you don't kill over. Usually. No. Well, you know, I mean, you, maybe you do, but even if you do, maybe you, like you know chemistry, maybe you poison your wife. Yeah, there's other instead ways instead of do bludgeoning it. her to death. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, um, and you know, definitely, if he was really truly sick of her and wanted out, then that was a way to avoid paying alimony. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a motive. Yeah, insurance wasn't a motive. She didn't have much in the way of Did, life insurance. Uh, Twenty twenty pounds was yeah. her life insurance policy, and yeah. he would have known that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So there's the the argument that he made too much of a fuss over his alibi. Oh, the right. search for the house yeah. and all that stuff. Um, another factor is that phone call that he originally received at the chess club. Oh, the the message that was left for him. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it turns out that Wallace wasn't that consistent, as we said, of a attendee to these things. Beatty did say that he came one, about once every two weeks, and Wallace said that he didn't like to. He didn't come that often because he didn't like to leave his wife alone at night. Which okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, why not? She may have been um, trying to think of the right word to say here. A little prone to to flights of fancy mm-hmm. in terms of paranoia, almost. She may have been hysterics. Hey, thank you. Not. To, <laughs> she may have just been. You can't leave me alone. It's dark mm-hmm. and scary, and I'm what by if somebody myself. Came here? Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he may have. Chess club may have been one of those few times that he could pry himself away from her at night. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, maybe she really had enemies. So, you know, hey. From a maybe... life we didn't know about. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. She was a government assassin. Yeah. The reason that, that, that his attendance of the chess club is brought up is because how would that mysterious caller have known that he was going to be there that night? How would he have, um, for that matter, how would that guy have even known that he went to the chess club at all? Yeah. How would he have known that? Actually, well, there's a couple yeah. of easy ways to find there it. Are some really, there really are, easy there are some really easy ways. There are some blatantly yeah. easy ways. There are. So the, the, the big claim here, to use Steve's term, is that uh, Wallace made the call himself. Yeah. Right. We can do some debunking on this. First of all, Beatty described the caller's voice as uh, strong and gruff. 
pretty much opposite of Wallace's demeanor. And he, <laughs> he didn't think that he could have made that call. He didn't think that he could have faked the voice, which yeah. I think is probably fair. Yeah. Also, there, there was a posting of the chess championships that he was taking part in. Yep. Yeah, who was matched to who and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and times, what day dates, they were... Yeah. Well, the time was the same. The time was consistent. Yeah. But it was what days they were showing up. And then it was actually posted on a bulletin board next to the phone booth that the phone call was received to that had the phone number of that phone booth on it. So one could have looked at that list and gotten the phone number simultaneously. Yeah, and actually, this was not a dedicated chess club. It was, it was no. Coddle's City Cafe. Was, and yeah. a lot of different clubs met there. And, so it was a totally public space. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And oh, one yeah. of and one of these the, the one of the persons who's been named as either a suspect or a person of interest, who we'll talk about a little later, was seen at least once at this club. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. So that we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the, you know, the question is, how would that person know that he would show up? Well, they had no reason to believe that he wouldn't show up. There's some discussion around the fact that he actually hadn't been there in a couple weeks because you can see that it was recorded that he lost his first game on the first night of the championship on the sheet of paper. There's pictures of it all over. And then the next two games he missed and then he played that night, the 19th, he didn't actually play the game he was meant to play in the championship. He played somebody else because his partner didn't show up. Again, reasons this chess club was probably disbanded is that nobody seemed to take it very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So while there's no reason to believe that he wouldn't show up, there's also no reason to believe that he would show up. I think that it's it's pretty easy to see how that person knew that he was going to show up based on where the phone call was placed from. And it was placed from a phone booth that was about 300 yards from Wallace's house. And a lot of people, again, point to, oh, well, then Wallace obviously placed the call himself. But no, because he, the tram that he was on, he would have had to have been on the tram about that time. He would have had to been on it. At the same time, if not the before. phone was being, yeah, the, that the phone call was being placed. Yeah, how many how many tram rides did it take to get to the chess club? Uh, a couple. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't see. I don't remember seeing that specifically listed. Yeah. I just remember. I don't know either. The, yeah. the times being called out, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah. So I I think it would have been really easy for somebody to kind of watch him, see that he was leaving, and know probably where he was going because it seems like that would be the place that he would be going at that time and call Mm -hmm. and say oh is he coming tonight oh you don't know okay well i'm gonna leave this message for him anyway Mm because i know he's on the tram and uh it actually became very important to wallace after he was questioned by the police once and then let go and it became really really important to him to know uh what time and he asked bd Okay, what what time exactly? You kind of asked him a lot, actually. He did, and yeah. Beatty kept is, saying, I don't know. That's the exact same behavior, though, that we saw him exhibiting with mm-hmm. the tram driver. Right, and yeah. so that's the Badgering. thing. Badgering. Is you, there, there's two sides to this claim, right? Either he was trying to make sure that Beatty said, it's this time, it's definitely this time, and that he would have been able to say, well, I had to have been on the tram that time, you know, to establish a further alibi, or he was trying to recall, okay, around that time, where would I have been? Can I prove that I wasn't there? Oh, and also, was there anybody, kind of, like, did I see anybody I knew hanging around? Because if I saw somebody I knew hanging around, they placed the phone call, they were responsible for me being gone when my wife was murdered, and they were probably responsible for murdering my wife. He's trying to figure it out. Yeah, right. that sounds fair. So either, on either side of that, I think, 
Um, and Beatty said he couldn't recall what time the phone call had been placed, but it turned out that the Anfield to- telephone exchange somehow by the way that the call was placed and i don't know what that means might have been to an operator i thought maybe through an operator but it, they had it recorded and it was at exactly 7 20 p.m so that's the time the call was placed i think that i'm pretty sure that wallace would have had to have been on the tram by that point but there you uh, go. yeah it just everything that i've seen about the guy doesn't show me that he has it in him yeah i don't think he had the guile I don't think he was smart enough either, and I really don't. I don't think there was any motive, and I don't think he had the time. There's yeah, just... yeah. Even, even if he didn't like his wife, you know, I mean, beating somebody to death, I would imagine this. You know, he didn't seem to have that kind he didn't, of character. No, he didn't. Again, he knew chemistry. Why not just poison her? No. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the theory heading, not just the theory. The theory heading that he totally did not do it. And again, it's the time, right? The time is such a huge problem for me in this is like where did he have the time to commit this murder yeah unless... where and clean up after himself yeah that's the whole problem is even if uh say the uh, the milk boy was totally off totally wrong about the time there's still the whole question of how he managed to do it go somewhere and cl- get all cleaned up and changed and not be seen and not be seen of course this was like uh it probably would have been pretty dark in liverpool there... by that by say 6 p.m at the most PM. at the most he had 49 minutes yeah. Because it's the, somebody saw him coming home at 630. Yeah. So it's substantiated that, or at six, sorry, that he didn't get home any earlier than six and he had to have left at 649 before, or, probably yeah, before to make the tram. Yeah. But, you know, again, the most unaccounted time that we can give him is 49 minutes. And that's not, still not a lot of time. Not really. It's still not, and I'm not willing to say that the milk boy was wrong. I think he, I think he, there's every reason to believe that he knew exactly what time it was when he picked up the milk money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you saw there, there was a church nearby and you, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't visible actually from the house. But, but it was about but that pr- time. But from not far away. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why there's that little, you know, it was either 630 or 645. I don't know. I just, the time is such a big problem for me. Can I interrupt? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So I just... I don't know why I hadn't really thought about this, and I've never actually seen this given much credence at all. But if he has such an ironclad alibi, well, maybe he did do it, but he hired it out. Like, he may have hired somebody and said, hey, I'm going to go get on the tram. Go call me. And then, okay, I'm going to my appointment. Wink, wink. Go do your job, and you'll get your 20 pounds in a couple of days when the heat dies down, because everybody's going to, you know, people do this all the time, is they they get somebody killed and they expect all of the sympathy to be thrown at them and they're the the poor, sad widower now, and then it all backfires. Yeah, Yeah. it just doesn't seem... Again, there are claims. I totally get that it doesn't yeah. make sense for him because that's not the way he seems. But it's possible. Yeah, there are no, there, there are people out there who say that he did actually hire somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are people out there who said that aliens did it too. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are. <laughs> but the yeah. Greys yeah. hated her. They just hated her for because she knew too much. I guess I don't know. She insulted their big eyes. Well, and the other thing is that like everybody talks about this case being perfect, and they they admire it because it's like the mastermind chess game (laughs) which okay one of the things that wallace liked was chess but he was horrible at it 
He was so bad at it. I probably could have beat him, and I'm like, can't play chess at all. I mean, he was okay. He won every once in a while. I, I thought he was kind of mediocre rather than actually terrible. All right. yeah, he wasn't terrible. I, he was a mediocre player. I gotta agree with Joe. I'm gonna say mediocre at best. But he was not this like chess mastermind. Chess wasn't his whole life. He liked it, sure, but he liked chemistry too. He liked botany too. He liked playing with electrics too. He liked playing the violin. He was awful at the violin. Uh, he liked violin things is... he wasn't really very good at. Yeah, and he hadn't actually been playing the violin very long. He no. took that up really late in life. Right. Violin is a, is a it's tough hard, instrument. It's hard, for sure. Yeah. But I'm just saying that, like, it, it seems like it was a thing that he liked. And it, it happened that, yeah, the call was placed when he was at this chess club. But he didn't go that often. It also he... appears that the media at the time really drove home the idea that he was some kind of chess mastermind. Yeah. Because there's spreads from the time that you can see... And they make. Oh yeah! They look make at his look... long, spindly, pointy fingers. He obviously has a genius brain. Yeah. And all this really weird claims that you could get away with at the time. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure the whole chess thing—it's the media's fault. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But yeah. I just think it's—it's it's interesting, and I, I just want to make sure everybody knows he wasn't some like mastermind chess player. He was. A mediocre at best player. Yeah, I, I think he was an intelligent guy. I, don't, I think he was. Yeah. Your smarts and your your gamesmanship are two different things. Yeah, no, you can, you can be very smart and be a lousy chess player. I'm yeah. I'm very smart and I'm a terrible chess player. Oh, you're yeah. very smart. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's hey. that's what right. I'm saying today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's. Yes, that's true. You don't have to be smart to be a good chess player and vice versa. But uh, I just don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see him as this, like, calculate. I mean, he lost his job so many times, and he kind of, like, he seemed kind of like this meek little, I, I want to use the term bumbling. I don't think that's right, but no. he just kind of seems like, well, oh, well, you know, often criminal masterminds want you to believe that. Like, didn't you see the usual suspects? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true, except for that he would have... If Kaiser he, Soze? But yeah. if he had been taking that personality on, he would have appeared that way in his trial, too, right? He wouldn't have appeared detached and cold. Yeah. Right? Which makes makes me think it's more authentic. You know, all of the interactions they hear about before his wife's murder, I think, he's kind of awkward and weird and, you know, again, bumbly, even though it's not the right word. And then after he sees his wife having been bludgeoned to death, he detaches and goes cold and that seems like a normal human behavior to me but apparently to everybody else that seems like a criminal mastermind so there you go yeah so if it's not him then who yeah that's the big question right there there are a couple other suspects actually and one of them is a young man by the well he was young at the time excuse me (laughs) he's dead now he's not he wasn't young uh yeah his name is richard perry and he was 22 years old, and he had very recently left or been fired from his job with the Prudential. I didn't see anything that indicated that he'd been fired. I you know, saw a lot that indicated that he'd been like, sort of let go, because apparently he had a similar job as, as Wallace did. Right. He was like a junior. Right. And, I, and I, know, I know where you're going with that, but I, the things that I had read all indicated that he was there for a while after everything happened, but nothing that that I read indicated that he was fired. It just, he left. He went to a job at a similar company. I heard that there was a little bit of a, a little bit of embarrassment over money not turned in. And then his parents came forward and paid basically a 
the thirty pound okay. difference. Then then so then you found something. So he that didn't, I didn't get okay. Yeah, he did not get fired exactly, but he did leave the job. Mm-hmm. And there's was, okay that yeah. he that's the clarification. Was, he was needed. asked kindly to leave. And that then there was a rumor that uh, Wallace had played a part in that. Yeah, that, there was know. that rumor that. Um, that Wallace knew because he was he had taken over some of Wallace's account when Wallace had a bout of um, meningitis, no, I, I think believe, it was, pneumonia. I, thought, I think it was bronchitis. Bronchitis, one of yeah. those. Meningitis is one. You're right. Yeah, no, you're saying, <laughs> no way. Yeah. Um, yeah, bronchitis, right? I think it was bronchitis. Um, so Perry had been collecting, and uh, somebody I think said, "Oh, you know, this account didn't pay in full," and 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 Wallace thought, "That's odd. I'm sure they did." And it turned out that Perry had stolen some money and Wallace reported him or didn't report. You can read some accounts that say like, um, and Perry just didn't report him and just, but Perry, oh no, I'm sorry, that Wallace didn't report Perry, but that Perry knew that Wallace knew and, or I, I believe more that probably Wallace reported Perry because. He might've reported him or he might've gone to Perry and said, Hey dude. Mm-hmm. You either cough up this money or I'm turning you in. And so that's when he went to his parents and got some money and you know, paid it off. And then left. Eventually left anyway. Yeah, because yeah. he, he really fancied himself as a bit of a playboy. Mm-hmm. But he was always broke. <laughs> yeah. I've got all this yeah. money. Yeah. Just not right now. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah speak, speaking of Perry, he is, he, isn't, uh, he is a suspect for some people. And then there's other people who say that uh, uh, P.D. James, for example, the, the mystery writer... Oh, we're going to talk about this. Thing oh, you want to talk about that later? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Right. Sorry. Just All right. Keep your hat on. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry about that. There's another. That's okay. Did you did you hear anything about Mar- Joseph Caleb Mars- Marsden? Yeah, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about later that later too. Okay. So it seems that actually collection agents at the time would you know walk around like Steve was saying and collect their money, their dues, and keep them in a lockbox, often overnight at their homes, and then go in the next morning and turn all the money in. Yeah, I think, and that's what that's what Wallace tended to do. Although I, I don't think it was even a lockbox. I think it was more like a cigar box. It's just a box. Yeah, yeah. Perry, apparently, being the jerk that he was, um, and he he knew Julia. They because I guess Perry and Wallace had been mildly friendly at least when when uh, Perry was doing Wallace's collections. Yeah, because he had to stop by at the end of the day mm-hmm. and turn the money over. Yeah, yeah. So the theory goes that he made the fake call in order to rob wallace because he thought wallace would have all of all of these collections at the end of the next night and he knocked on the door and julia said oh it's you mr perry come in and so he came in and bludgeoned her to death and tried to rob mr wallace of all of his takings for the day but it turned out that it was just like a couple pounds it was four pounds yeah something like that yeah some some tiny tiny amount and so it was you know that sucked for him, and he huh. left, and I don't know, never came forward. Obviously, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> obviously, my understanding about the way that the way it worked is, and I'm not sure exactly what the timing was, but it's like there were some people who paid like once a week, and other people paid like once a month. Mm-hmm. So on those days when the once a month payers are paying, mm-hmm. there's then a it, lot of money. Then it's going to be a lot of money, right? Yeah. So, so he miscalculated. Maybe he misfigured which day yeah, it was which going day to be that be. all these people were going to be mm-hmm. paying, making their monthly payment or not. Yeah. So um, there's a little evidence, I guess. I don't know how reliable it is. but I was going to say, this This is circumstantial to I me. I guess, yeah. Yeah. He did have a car. <laughs> Perry did. And apparently a mechanic either saw a bloody glove in Perry's car or saw Perry hosing the interior of his car out with a high-pressured hose while his gloves were covered in blood. 
not totally sure. And then um, Perry's alibi, when the police questioned him, was given by his then fiance, who later jilted, <laughs> redacted the statement, and offered a new statement saying that did Perry say, had not been with her that night. Did you say redacted? Yeah, what did I say? I'm, oh, I yeah, retracted, retracted is what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Well, so, kind of same thing. Uh, she, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> crossed it out. Yeah. She took a Sharpie to it. Same yeah. thing, yeah. So, lesson to all of you gentlemen out there. If you're in a relationship and you murder someone and your significant other is your alibi, do not jilt that person. Stay yeah. with that person Stay forever. with that person forever. I know. Seriously. I mean, after seriously. Amber, haven't you guys learned your lesson? Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she said, you know, Perry asked me to provide this alibi. I have no idea where he was that night. So, yeah. I mean, you know, he had time. He had a kind of possible motive. He had a shoddy alibi. Shoddier alibi than Wallace had, to be fair. There's actually more evidence for Perry to have done this than there is Wallace. Uh, definitely. Of. Well, there's not much in the way of evidence, but definitely it's, it's possible where it doesn't appear to be really possible that Wallace mm-hmm. could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. So the the only other thing to like add to this is there were a couple journalists at the time who were pretty convinced that Perry had done it and they questioned him and he kept saying, no, no, I didn't do it. No, no I didn't do it. But they finally questioned him um, on his doorstep uh, in 1966. On death's doorstep? No, no, no. On Perry's doorstep. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> in 1966, excuse me. And reportedly, he had a shockingly in-depth understanding of the case, in- including the fact that he knew lots of details that were, like, way unknown by the layperson and details on lower-level witnesses, like when they died or how they died, um, and basic basically knowledge that somebody shouldn't have necessarily. It seems that he took a very keen interest in the case. Yeah. Although, you know, he was questioned by the police at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is that unusual because, number one, it was a very famous case. Mm-hmm. He was peripherally involved. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I don't so think... It's well, interest was... to learn as much as he can. But to continue to learn about... Like, he tracked those witnesses and knew about their lives after the case, for instance. Maybe he was trying to solve it. Maybe he was, yeah. Maybe yeah. he was, yeah. So, that's the evidence for Perry. And then there's... One of the things we were that Joe was about to talk about, and now we're going to actually talk about it, is Petey James's claim... Yeah. That Perry made the prank phone call, but then Wallace committed the murder anyway, and that they were totally unconnected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she said because Perry, because Perry apparently was a little, a little angry over his mm-hmm. the whole incident at the Prudential, which makes sense. Yeah, and so just for fun, he thought he'd play a mean little prank and send him on a wild goose chase, and mm-hmm. so that it, so it, it might have been him, and, and that would explain why the phone call was made from that particular phone booth, um, because. He's going to, like, observe him leaving for his chess club thing. Perry was the one. Perry, by the way, uh, was involved with an acting club. Mm-hmm. And they actually met at the same place that the chess club did. Yeah. And so he would have he would have known. He had seen him there. He had he'd seen Wallace at the chess club at that place before. So he would have had an idea. So it's Monday night. He sort of stakes out the place uh, at, on Wilburton Street where they lived. And then sees him leaving for the chess club. Goes to the, goes to the phone booth, makes that phone call, and leaves that message. Sending him on a wild goose ca- goose chase, but it was just a mean practical joke more than anything else. It wasn't. Yeah, the the whole thing about murder. finding that street sounds so much like just a practical joke. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a snipe hunt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then 
So I, I, I read an, I read an article or two about PD James's claims that she had solved it and that she, you know, she knew it was Wallace that had done it. I still don't quite get her argument. I don't either. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think really her, don't actually. <laughs> I think her theory about Perry making the phone call is reasonable, mm-hmm. but uh, as far as Wallace, uh, I'm still not convinced. Yeah, I'm not either. And then yeah. we have one more theory. Yeah. Uh, with Mar- Marsden, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Joseph Caleb Marsden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had. And this, again, was from John Gannon's book, The The Killing of Julia Wallace. Uh, And he says, he alleges that Wallace hired, he he hired Joseph Caleb Marsden to do it. Yeah. Through uh, through Richard Gordon Perry because actually Perry knew Marsden mm-hmm. and uh, and so Marsden actually did the dirty work and that's the theory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or the other theory I also heard that Marsden did the dirty work for Perry, not for Wall. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's you know one of the things that is troubling about this case, for instance, is there are a lot of books written <laughs> about this case. Oh yeah, and and some of the information in there is uh, shoddy at best. I would say. Oh, yeah. Um, like one of them says that it's unknown if Wallace won the prize for the chess championship in which he was competing, which is absurd because he played in one official, maybe two, maybe, I don't know if that one on January 19th counted or not towards the championship, but there were like seven games, eight games. He played in one and lost played in another one and won, but it was, it was different. Then he was in jail. Yeah. So he definitely didn't win. So I don't know why this book is saying, well, we don't know if he because won or not. it was not. a series that ran through, I think, the... I was March. Feb- March, yeah. February, yeah. March, somewhere in there, and it ended. So there's no way. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't have. But it just goes to show you that even before the internet existed, there, there was there's yeah. builds getting out there in the public spaces. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? I just remembered while we were talking about this, that second match that he played that night... He played against a friend who was ranked like a couple ranks higher than him, so they were ineligible to play against each other in the championship. Ah, so, so it didn't count. It didn't count. That's he why did it's win not that game. On that card, right. that We see on the internet all. Okay, he won the game, but officially he only played one game in the championship and he lost. So he definitely and he was super proud of winning that match. He was. He talked, which he should have been all night long with everybody yeah. that <laughs> night about the. About he should have been the final move because this guy was. A better really good chess player actually a really good chess player yeah but i guess you know my final thoughts on this is um there's i'm just gonna quote gerald abrams he uh he was a barrister who lived in liverpool at the time he's written a lot about the wallace case and he says um quote journalists have agitated their readers for many years with the question was wallace guilty there are three approaches to this question one legally it's academic there was no evidence against him two Personally, his acquaintances, excluding those who revel in the troubles of their, quote, friends, seem convinced of his innocence. The author takes the view that to vest Wallace with guilt in the circumstance is to credit him with a mental power, a skill, an agility, and a cold-blooded nervelessness, nerveless efficiency, of which he seemed utterly incapable. True. Seems fair. Yeah. And three, scientifically, it is a much easier hypothesis to assume another person as a murderer whose task would have been easier, mental effortless, by the principle of simple explanation, Wallace was innocent, unquote. Yeah. I especially like him saying it's crediting Wallace with a lot of stuff that he was just not capable of, which yeah, is true. Which most, most of us, frankly, are not capable of. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I think he's entirely correct. Uh, I think either I that or he's he's a mad genius. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but 
I I don't I just don't think Wallace did it, but I don't know who did. Uh, well, again, and again, I we said this in the very beginning because we don't know anything about Julia. Well, I mean, really, there's very little on record that we know about her. We don't know if there was something in her past well, we that can came say back to bite her. They, the police were able to rule out neither of them had any lovers. Mm-hmm. You know, neither of them had any debts, really, that anybody could find. So it it seemed unlikely that it was wrapped up in Julia, I guess. Well, but the, but maybe it was the. The amount of anger that was in the the murder, yeah, because it was effing brutal. Mm-hmm. It really means that somebody had a personal stake that they were taking out on her, whether yeah. it be a past jilted lover or a wronged family member, or I mean, hell, I don't know. Maybe she had a kid and she gave that kid up, and that kid tracked her down all these years later and said, "You made me an orphan. I'm going to take it out on you." I mean. I don't know what it is. There could be a bajillion things, or yeah. there could truly still be nothing. Yeah, it could actually. Yeah, it could actually be somebody who didn't even know her and just a serial killer who just or wanted just to murder some somebody. Weirdo who needed money and mm-hmm. knew yeah. he had money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, maybe this is where Perry comes in. Into you know, he like he like knows this guy who's a real scuzzbag and mm-hmm. says, "Hey, I know these people aren't going to be home, and I know he keeps a buttload of money yeah, in a cigar box." Then you you know, then you run into the. There, as far as I can tell, there was no sign of a struggle. Yeah. I've never seen anything that there was a sign of a struggle, and she let the person in. Yeah. So you assume that she knew them, and that it started out totally peacefully, or at least mildly comfortable, and they surprised her with the hit over the head. Yeah, and that leads to our last theory, and this, this has actually been put out there, which is that it was the Johnstons. Yeah. 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 Which or at least one been. of the Johnstons. I mean, it could have been. Yeah. Really, realistically, it could have been. They had a key. They had a key. Yeah. She knew them. Yep. They could have said, "We're just going to come around for." You they know, would have something. known about the money. They, she could have been cheating with the Johnston. I mean, really. Yeah. Who knows? Cheating with one of them, cheating with both of them. Oh, it's possible. Yeah. Really, I don't know if I'd want to cheat with Julia myself. I don't know <laughs> if I would yeah. either, but hey, some people are into stuff like that. So yeah. There you go. Anyway, Steve, do you have any final? I thoughts? I don't. This one just. It's baffling. Yeah. It's baffling because of the amount of bilge, as Joe put it, oh, that's yeah. out there. Yeah. And the total lack of evidence for anything other than the fact that the only thing that we can confirm is that she died most likely by being beaten to death with a fire poker. That's I'm, really the only I'm thing I got. I'm pretty confident that she died by being beaten. Yeah. But that's really the only only solid fact we have in this entire case. Yeah, no, yeah. so somebody somebody beat her to death and left with the poker. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure why they didn't. And the poker was never found. Never. I mean, so, again, It went down a drain. I guess, it went, yeah, yeah it went into the river. Yeah, yeah. but... Uh, okay. I cool. uh, Yeah, other than that, I can't say... Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's entirely possible, too, that somebody set Wallace up. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They, they made the phone call to the chess club deliberately from a phone booth near his house mm-hmm. to, ca- to you know, yeah, cast suspicion upon him. Yeah, yeah, that's totally possible. Although it doesn't seem like he had any really enemies, I mean, other than Perry. Yeah. I mean... It could have been somebody trying to create the... Actually commit the perfect crime. Yeah, could it's just, have been. Just a hobby sort of thing. You know? So here's what we're going to do. It was Sherlock Holmes. I'm pretty yeah, sure. it could have been. Yeah. yeah. Was Conan Doyle in the area yeah. at the time? Yeah, I know. So but, yeah, there you have it. 
Yeah, but anyway, but but think about that. I mean, so he makes the phone call, knowing that that's you know it's going to be recorded. It's going to cast suspicion upon him that he made the call himself, not realizing that Wallace is going to go out there and he's going to like totally badger everybody he sees along the way. <laughs> not realizing that. In other thinking words, he's going to end up with no think, alibi. Yeah. Thinking that, yeah, he thought, yeah, he was going to disappear. He, he murders the wife. He's going to come back with no alibi. He's going to go off to the pokey. And instead, he comes back with a great alibi. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. This <laughs> was a listener's suggestion. Oh, that's right. I'll say at the end instead of the beginning. Because um, you totally forgot. I totally forgot, yeah. Mike B. Uh, suggested it in, like, September of 2014. Yep. It's okay. been a while. It's yeah. Been a while. And yeah, then yeah. Thanks, um, the Art Fool Dodger on Reddit also suggested it recently. Um, and I think we've had a couple other people. There's been a couple it. over time. Yeah. Um, so thank you guys. Uh, if you want to suggest a topic for us, you can do that on our website in the about the show. It's probably not the best place to do it, but you can. Well, that's where everybody goes to it's do it. Where a lot of I don't know go. why, but that's where they go. There, yeah. Um, that website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can also stream us there, leave a comment about the show. You can find our links to the PayPal, to the Patreon, and to merch. You are probably listening to us on iTunes. If you are, leave a comment and a rating. Those are helpful to us. Um, if you have serious feedback for us, <laughs> we prefer an email so we can like talk to you about it and like get understand what you're saying. Um, so that email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Reddit. Um, you can find us just about anywhere. Pretty much anywhere, yeah. We're not on Snapchat. No. We're not on Instagram. No. We're not on Pinterest. No. no that's a good point. Not on, um, we're, not we're not on, on Tinder. Not on Tinder or Grinder. Well, are we on Ashley Madison? No. No. I don't think so. I'm not. I'm on um, I actually um, should check. Some people are on there and don't even know. Yeah, it. that's true. Yeah. Where are all um, these weird emails coming from? The yeah. note on Twitter is we're thinking sideways, not thinking sideways. And the note on Facebook is um, the group and the page, not friend us, don't friend us. We don't want to be friends with you. I mean, we do. But we do. love you, but but we no, don't don't do that. Just join the group. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's even better than being our friend. Yeah, it is. And then um, you can get to the Patreon if you feel like you want to make a monetary donation to the show. You can do that from the website, or you can just go to Patreon.com/slash/ThinkingSideways. It's where you make a sustaining donation per episode, and we super duper appreciate that because you guys have been really awesome, and we'd like to keep that momentum going so we can actually pay for the show. Yeah. Entirely instead of us paying for the show. Yeah, we prefer that. We yeah, prefer we'd like to break that. even. Yeah, breaking even uh, is my, our goal. My, my credit card loves it. Oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, I know. you're getting fire yeah. miles out of it or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Anyway, um, all of that having been said, I think we're going to get on out of here. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, yeah, folks. Bye bye. Later, guys. I guess we'll hear them next week. We won't see them. Uh, yeah. Well, they'll hear us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>